the VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 662, recorded on August 30th, 2022. Second edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 495th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry and a gaming flashback. Right, so I haven't changed much of what I've been playing. There's a lot of Cult of the Lamb um, and also uh, Two Point Campus which have both been dominating my time in between little mini-sessions of Slay the Spire. So, um, yeah, Cult of the Lamb is really good. Have either of you tried to play it yet? No, I have not gotten to it just yet. I watched a a bit of a Let's Play, and it seems like a really crazy game. Uh, Looks like you're about to be sacrificed in the beginning, but then I guess you strike a deal with the evil demon or whatever. And uh, you build a cult, and you get to name it whatever you want, and apparently you get to customize your followers, which is really neat. Yeah, they're various animals, and you can change their colors and what animal they are. Um, have you ever watched the binding? Uh, the binding of Have you ever watched or played the Binding of Isaac? Yeah, I've seen that one. Very disturbing. Well, that's what the combat version of this game is. It's basically the Binding of Isaac. Uh, so it mixes a little bit of roguelike, a little bit of uh, Stardew Valley. Um, because I, I build stuff, and um, if you're not careful, they'll poop all over the place and throw up all over the place, and poop and throw up all over the place makes them even more sick. And if they get too sick, they die. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk too much about it. I am closing in um, on completing the uh, – well, not completing, but – getting access to the sandbox for two point campus i already complete i already got two stars so i could just start it now but i'm seeing what i can do with it what's funny is that um i didn't get to do isn't there supposed i see here all of a sudden there are buildings for the magic you know for gryffindor and stuff like that but um i didn't get a level that was surrounding it i also didn't get a college that was all about the clowns either I just got the clown stuff, and it's in the background there, but I haven't really done it. I'm wondering if it, it, it watches the way you play and just says, okay, do this, do this, do this. Doing the spy one in which they want you to capture spot moles and expel them. And if you expel the wrong one, you expel the perfectly nice uh, student, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm still having a, a crap ton of fun with the game um, and still getting achievements for both, which is nice. Oh, yeah. Um, they announced um, the final week, uh, the, the, the uh, September's Game Pass stuff. And f- people may not know this, but this is the last time the uh, Xbox Gold, uh, Games with Gold is going to include anything from the original Xbox or Xbox 360. So the final game that's going to be um, not an Xbox One slash Series X game is going to be Portal 2. And I've never played it on the 360, meaning, oh, I have some achievements to get. Because I only played it on Steam. And I know the game backwards and forwards, too. So 
Anyways, what have you been playing, Scott? I've been playing a little game called House of Da Vinci. Uh-huh. It's a, I would say it's close to Mist-like game where you're solving puzzles in the environment and uh, you're you're basically a apprentice of Da Vinci and you're trying to find where he is <clears throat> and you're playing around with his inventions and solving puzzles uh, and they yeah. have some. It's very mist-like. <laughs> very. But um, um, you're playing the first one? Yes, the first one, yeah. Because there's three of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty interesting so far. It has nice music, and it's a very relaxed game. It's, like I said, just puzzles, and you use a, a lens to see invisible stuff, and then there's a like a rewind one where you can see past things and use all these little uh, tools to solve puzzles and uh, you know, and you find items and you manipulate them and you put some together. It's it's a fun game. Just so you know, there's an unofficial fourth game by the same developers called Mysteries of the Past. Mm-hmm. Which is, so you wouldn't know about it because it's not called the House of Da Vinci. It's just Mysteries of the Past. Okay. So what are you even playing, uh, TJ? Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I can talk about this because the podcast will be out afterwards, but uh, I've been playing uh, The Last of Us Part 1, which is oh, the God. PS5 remake of the game. Yeah, uh, which is the bone of contention for a lot of people because they're paying $70 for a game that didn't need that many, uh, you know, uh, upgrade, upgrades. It's like a, a it's like a very lazy remaster. Like, yeah, well, in higher resolution, big whoop. <laughs> mm, so... I played the two games side by side. I downloaded the PS4 version, which is uh, for those so there isn't much confusion. It's called Last of Us Remastered because they remastered the PS3 version for PS4. The PS5 version is called The Last of Us Part 1, which coincides with The Last of Us Part 2. Putting them side by side, the difference stands out far more than people will get want to give it credit for yeah but the thing is they don't want to pay 70 dollars for the game they've already played twice sure i get that um but like putting it side by side playing through both like the same chapter in both versions looking at all of everything they've done the like right off the bat the lighting and shadow effects of the of the of the new version are impeccably upgraded over the original the original the the remastered version uses a lot of static lighting which uh sometimes doesn't look so bad other times it makes no sense you come into a room with like boarded up windows and it's daylight outside and the room is just like statically lighted like like a ps2 game and in that same scene in uh the last of us part one you actually have light beams coming in through the boards in the window and lighting up the room in a sensible and and natural way. It was actually kind of wild to see the difference between the two scenes. Um, same thing with like, same thing with like certain textures and models. There's a there's a burning house in the very first section of the game that you that uh, the characters pass by. And in the remastered version, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's like a prop house with a little flame. 
buy it yeah and people still say it's not worth seventy dollars <laughs> that's that's gonna be that's gonna be up to the player I think but like there are also on top of like the, the graphical upgrades that they did to it there are so many little like quality of life things that they did yeah they added some accessibility features for one they they not only added every accessibility feature in the last of us part two but they also upgraded them a little bit further. The game now has descriptive text for uh, for those who are uh, visually impaired, which will then describe basically what's going on in the scene vocally as it's happening. Um, there are also other things that are just nifty little things that are like nifty little improvements on top of uh, of the regular game that everybody can enjoy outside of accessibility. Yeah, the PS4 version is, is available for 20 bucks. Yeah, but like I said, there are improvements on this game that make it that it made more sense to me after I played it. And I think that's going to be a consensus for a lot of people once they get in there. Um, You know, in context of what's going on with Sony right now. And keep in mind, Sony is the one who kept pushing for the $70 MSRP game. Yeah. Actually, um, if you want the deluxe edition, it's $80. And a hundred dollars for the deluxe, the deluxe version. This is a price grab. Most, most, if Microsoft had created The Last of Us Part, uh, Last of Us, right, and they're reissuing this, I'll bet you dollars to know us they would sell it for thirty nine ninety nine or even twenty nine ninety nine. They would not sell it for seventy dollars because it's the same game. Eventually, it'll drop in price though, and and when that happens, I would say that like. Between playing the two thing, the two games extensively, I can't think of a good reason to go back to The Last of Us Remastered if although, uh, if I had a choice between the two. Although considering the fact that it's still extremely hard to get a PS5, I wonder if this is, it really matters if it's seventy dollars because I don't know how many people are, are going to be able to buy it anyway. Right. Also, but, you know, it'd be nice if you got it digitally. You could get a ten dollar upgrade instead of paying full price. That would be nice. I don't know why they didn't do that. I'm not wondering. I'm not. Yeah, we we saw what happened with Spider-Man. We saw what happened with the other games. We know why. <laughs> In any case, my point is that it is an it is a a solidly upgraded edition. Like after playing it, it's it's everything that comes together to make the full package is well upgraded. Okay. There were only a couple things that bothered bo- that bothered me about oh, it. And that's that like <laughs> there's a listening there's this thing in the in the game called listening mode and right. I, uh, and they changed it from the original. And the original when you activated listening mode, it gave you kind of defined outlines of where characters were based on the noises they make. This one it makes them into fuzzy blobs and I kind of don't like that. I think it's an overtuned change that didn't really need to occur over the original. Same thing with the bow. The bow uh, in in the the Last of Us remastered. You aim when you aim it, you automatically draw an arrow. With this one, you have to actually you have to actually hold the fire button to draw the arrow, which I guess kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I I prefer the other way. Mm. Um, those little gripes aside, it's a pretty good package. It's I, I don't think it's seventy dollars, but maybe some people will. 
it's still a great game, and I think it's the best version of the original that they've come up with. Until they come with a PS6 version. <laughs> we'll see. It'll be I an guess, 8K. This game, already spans, this game already spans three generations at this point, so that's very possible. Um, are there any games that are not remasters that you've played lately? Nope. That's the one I played. <laughs> so, anyways... Uh, we do have a gaming flashback these, this week, and it is Dead Rising. Dead Rising is a 2005 action-adventure game developed by Capcom Production Studios and published by uh, Capcom, and developed, actually, by Blue Castle. Um, after they did the game, it was folded into Capcom and became Capcom Vancouver. Uh, the game is the first entry in the Dead Rising series. The story follows photojournalist Frank West, who's been in wars, what, what? No, it's I've 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 seen wars. I've been in war. What is this catchphrase? I forgot. He's been at. He's, uh, he's been in wars, you know. He's been in wars, you know. <laughs> After he becomes trapped oh, in no, his. He's on- covered. He's covered wars. I've covered wars, you know. And it's uh, you always have to add the you know because that's the part that everybody remembers. After he becomes trapped in a zombie-infested shopping mall in Willamette, um, which is a real place. And oh, by the way, that shopping mall is real too. Um, I saw the making of, and they actually had aerial shots of it. and say, holy shit, it's a real place. Uh, huh. Frank must uncover the mystery behind the outbreak before a rescue helicopter arrives in three days to evacuate him. The game features multiple endings depending on the conditions met by the player, otherwise known as the A, B, C, D, E, and I think there's an F and G endings. Um, otherwise, the somewhat okay ending, because the best ending isn't a good ending in terms of what happens to Frank. And, of course, there's the really depressing endings. Um, the game is played from a third-person perspective and features an open world for the player to explore in the form of Willamette Parkview Mall. The player must survive by scavenging for items around the shopping mall to fight zombies and hostile human non-player characters. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, Blue Castle did Dead Rising 2. And then they became folded into Capcom as Capcom Vancouver. So, no. Uh, yeah, Cap, uh, Blue, Blue Castle did not do the first game. Um and uh, hostile human char- non-player characters known as psychopaths, which um, are the most annoying things ever in a video game. I swear. I hate the psychopaths in the first Dead Rising. While also rescuing friendly human non-player characters known as survivors, whom I, whom I also hate. And oh, by the way, the article doesn't mention it, but Otis is the worst of all. Fucking Otis. Yeah, the 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 calls and the he calls you. That, you're fighting zombies. He calls you back and bitches you out for hanging up on him. <laughs> and then there's the fact that if you take a hit or actually do anything, <laughs> that uh, it will interrupt the call and you'll have to start it over. Along exactly, with and he's gonna and he's gonna bitch you out for it. I remember this hilarious article in Something Awful. It's probably still there. Just Google Something Awful Otis and Dead Rising. <laughs> it's one of the funniest articles about. <laughs> about that, about it. Thank goodness Otis is nowhere to be found for the rest of the games. Uh, Dead Rising was released on August 8th, 2006, originally for the Xbox 360. The game became a critical and commercial success, leading it to be introduced as part of the Xbox 360 Platinum Hits lineup, while also spawning three sequels, Dead Rising 2, Dead Rising 3, and Dead Rising 4. A remake of the game was developed for the Wii, called entitled Dead Ch- uh, Rising Chop Teal Drop, which was pathetically bad. Keep in mind they had to redo the entire game for the Wii because there was no way those two GameCubes, uh, those two GameCubes uh, uh, attached by duct tape was ever going to be able to have that many zombies. We'll discuss that in a moment. And released in February 2009. 
Um, by the way, as bad as it was, it was still fun, though, because, you know, Dead Rising as a concept was new and fun. A uh, mobile phone uh, version was also developed as part of the 10th anniversary. The original Xbox 360 version was re-released on September 13th, 2016 for Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. Um, the other thing about the game that uh, is that it definitely did not take itself seriously. Um, you could dress Frank in, as any, in anything you wanted. And mm. oh, by the way, when was the last time you saw... I think it was the first time I saw someone that husky be the star of a game like that. Because when he was wearing wasn't wearing a shirt, he had a gut. <laughs> yeah. They even played it. They played the beer gut up even further in later and <laughs> later Dead Risings too. Yeah. Um, the other thing that the article did not mention is the photography mode in which you earned experience points by taking pictures. And of course, the very first thing you do in that game is remember when you're in the Willow Mall and. Um, the zombies are first bursting in. You can get hundreds of, of zombies in a photograph. That's the other thing, too. Um, people were astonished at the hundreds and hundreds of zombies that could be on the screen at the same time. It really pushed the limits of the Xbox 360, and people were just amazed by that. Yeah. It was kind of amazing like what they could do with crowds at the time for what kind of technology they had. Um. But I will always remember that there's an erotic category. And, yeah. Uh, and, and oh, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a desiccated corpse walking around in a bikini. That's hot. <laughs> that was always really weird and, and felt like a sort of <laughs> – it felt like a sort of, okay, I'm playing a video game moment. Yeah. Uh, and that fucking lady and her dog. Yeah. That fucking lady and her dog. Honey, they're not they're not interested in eating the dog <laughs> because it's just barking there outside, right? The zombies are completely ignoring it. Stupid Bijan Frisee. Uh the thing that okay, so there are things that people here's the thing. Some people considered it a deal breaker and some people loved it for it. Uh several things in the game. First things first, um you're expected to play that game multiple times. You're never going to beat it on the first go through. What you're expected yeah. to do is level up your character, level up Frank before he dies, so that when he comes back, he has the experience and he's stronger and stronger, and you keep on doing that. Um, then you have the limited save points where you can only save in certain locations. And uh, you know, I hated this. I guess people love the psychopaths. I wasn't a fan of the psychopaths because um, there were two things that happened to people in the game: either they became a zombie or their mind snapped. And they just went crazy. And it was always the goofiest kind of crazy. Um, you'd have a guy with a shopping cart with blades on it trying to run you over with it. All these themed uh, and the clown and all that stuff. Uh, the grocery store clerk and the clown were hilarious. I could deal with that a lot of the rest of them. The sniper was not, and I want I, that was just annoying. Yeah, the the sniper, the convicts, and the jeep outside. The yeah, and you had to go through that fucking thing to get to the other side of the mall too. The, yeah, you the, had to do a dash across that where they're riding around in their uh, souped-up uh, 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 jeep. The gun store guy was also really obnoxious. Like, the, yeah, you're right. The the convicts were hit and miss in that game. Some of them, or at least I think they were hit and miss. The clown and the shopping clerk, like that that shopping clerk guy and his entrance is one of the things I remember most about the game. Just that, this is my star! Just 
<laughs> He's th- that was when the game did well with those. Yeah. Other other psychopaths I could totally do without. Yeah, and rescuing survivors was hit and miss as well. Because um, sometimes they did incredibly stupid things. Oh, their AI was terrible. Like they were they were they were fodder. They, they, they were basically fodder, and trying to get them to do anything competently was a chore. Um, the fun of the game was just when you had moments to fuck around with the zombies. Just mm-hmm. find inventive ways to kill them. So Dead Rising 2 upped that. Unfortunately, uh, Dead Rising 2... So here's the thing about Dead Rising 2. It was multi-platform. So Capcom felt, uh, well, you know, we have to make this accessible to new people, which is why they dumped Frank and added Chuck Green as a new protagonist. Uh, He wasn't nearly as interesting. But in the meantime, Frank West kept on gaining and gaining popularity until he was on fucking Capcom fighting games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was everywhere. So, of course, they had to bring him back first in a small DLC. And then you had uh, Dead Rising. Um, oh, I forgot. The first one was uh, Dead Rising. Uh, uh, oh, God. I forgot the name of the stupid. But anyways, the second Dead Rising. Um, uh, it wasn't a DLC. It was actually a, a, re- it was a remastered version that was released um, off the record, I think it was. And basically, it just said, okay, what if. It was Frank West who was the star of the story instead of Chuck Green. And man, they did Chuck Green something dirty because in that, um, his daughter did die and he became a psychopath slowly. During the entire game, he's getting crazier and crazier and crazier until you have to fight and kill him, which is depressing as hell. Yes. We won't talk much about Dead Rising 3, Dead Rising 4. The only thing I remember is that they took off the timer and they replaced uh, Frank West's voice. And not for any reason except they wanted to try someone new, which pissed off a lot of fans. Is it John DiMaggio? And they replaced no, him with no. someone that sounded very close to that, I remember. No. No. But uh, Dead Rising did bring in the uh, zombie horde genre, in which now people realize, hey, you can have a zombie horde now. And right now I'm still playing State of Decay 2, which is a great zombie horde game doesn't have quite as many zombies as uh, on the screen. Well, it could, but it doesn't. It, it, it opts for uh, for more slow burn than that. But you know what? Actually, speaking of remasters, I wouldn't mind if they re-remastered uh, the original Dead Rising for PS5, Xbox Series X. Hmm. I mean, they have the remaster for the PS4 and Xbox One, but still. There's a lot of things I would make different in Dead Rising 1 if they were to remaster it. Oh yeah, well they added a save anywhere. They added an auto save and a save anywhere in the uh, in both the. I think they did it. Um, they did it for off the record for Dead Rising Two, and they also did it for. Uh, I think they did it for the ten year anniversary game uh, version. Yeah, I'm not sure. I might actually, you know, I might actually pick up the uh, remastered 2016 version just to get some Dead Rising out it uh, again. Oh, by the way, one thing also. Um, there was an achievement war going on. I don't know if you remember this, but remember Dead Rising had an achievement for killing a certain amount of people, like 56,000, 46,000 uh, people. It was uh, it was meant to be the po- the entire population of Willamette. Yeah. So um, what happens is that Left 4 Dead had an achievement but added one to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then Dead Rising 2 added one to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a uh, you. It was zombie genocider killing fifty three thousand five hundred ninety four zombies, which was the population of Willamette. And then Dead Right uh, Left 4 Dead did fifty three thousand five hundred ninety five zombies, and then uh, Dead uh, Dead Rising Two did, three, and a bunch of games did this. A bunch of games did this. It was sort of like a game with the achievements that was just going around. So yeah, um, that was a happier time in video games. <laughs> it was a happier time. Anyways, we're gonna move on to game news. Um, Sony pumps up PS5 prices, and this comes from some Wired. As if it wasn't already hard enough to buy a PS5, they're getting even more expensive. On Thursday, Sony announced that it had plans to raise the price of, the, of its PS5 co- consoles in several countries. The increase doesn't affect the U.S. yet, but markets in Europe, Japan, China, Australia, Mexico, and Canada will see a price jump equivalent to roughly 50 euros per console, which is $50. In a statement explaining the hike, Sony blames the move on high inflation and quote-unquote adverse currency trends, unquote. Um, issues with the global supply chain have made PS5s uh, notoriously difficult to come by since the console launched in November 2020. For a moment, it seemed like Sony was getting close to being able to meet demand when it said it would increase production back in May of this year. But the recent price chain makes it clear there's gonna, still going to be some holdups. Following Sony's announcement, both Microsoft and Nintendo said they would not be raising the prices of their consoles, the Xbox and the Switch. Um, just so you know, Sony turned a tidy profit in the past fiscal year. So I don't know what they're saying that it was high inflation because no one really cared. The only place that it really mattered was India because their their inflation was so insane. Microsoft was forced to raise the price as well, but only in conjunction with the uh, with the inflation there. But you know why both Microsoft and Nintendo really don't need to raise the prices anyway? Uh, the Switch doesn't cost that much to make. Nintendo's making a profit on those. Microsoft is a gigantic company, which is it's just like, and they have Game Pass. They don't need a console. If you really need to play the game at its best, hey, stream it on your console on Wi-Fi. Yeah. And this has gotten a lot of pushback from people. It's... It's odd. It's odd that this is like in pretty much every major region for the PlayStation except for the United States. I Which wonder why they didn't. It, I wonder why they skipped the price increase in the United States. You want to bet they're uh, they're not going to skip it and it's going to be later this year? Maybe, but here's the reason um, why: because they think that people will get used to it. They'll get you know they'll 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 complain and in a couple of months they'll just be used to the price. Uh, because here's the thing, two two years into a console cycle, usually that's when you see the prices go down. Yeah. It's – and that's like – that's a substantial change. 50 euros is about like – I think that's around 70 to $80. Uh, I think euros and dollars are pretty much the same. You're thinking of pounds. Oh, okay. Pounds, I think it's like 30 pounds uh, more expensive in the U.K., but here's the thing. Um, in the United States, the uh, Xbox Series X and the PS5 are both equal in sales. It's in Europe and Japan where people buy a lot more PS5s than Xbox Series Xs. And I think um, that's why people are so outraged because that's their main place, you know. Also, Canada is not very far away and neither is Mexico from the United States. Yeah, 
I, I I don't fully yeah I don't fully understand why they left the United States out of this. I don't know the I don't know that I buy the whole they're they're prepping U.S. customers for this price range because like it's not even affecting United States customers yet and they're already outraged by it. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure they didn't quite. You know, Jim Ryan is becoming a hated person among Sony fans, even even fanboys. Yeah, he's not like he, he that guy does not make a lot of sense when it comes to the business decisions that he makes. Like he's always been behind on the whole like making an Xbox uh, a similar thing to Xbox Game Pass. He's always been weird about backwards compatibility. Uh I guess to a certain extent he's mostly just concerned about money, but even that's just like I don't know. You know what the pettiest thing is? You can't use the PS5 controller on PS4 games. It will literally not work, even though it pretty much would work, because it's only Bluetooth. That is not true. I I I can use a PS5 controller on PS4. No, 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 on PS4 games. And what do you mean? Like you can't use a PS5 controller to play a PS4? Because that's not right. That you can. Uh, you can't use a PS4 controller to play PS5 games because the Dual Sense is haptics and all that garbage. Um, but there. Uh, Here we are. Uh, PS5 controller and PS4 console are not compatible. No, you know what? You are right because I have a uh, I have a converter. <laughs> I <laughs> okay, you cheater. I am a cheater. That's how I play it at Evo. I, but I, here's I, the thing: I can I can take this Xbox Series X controller and use it on an Xbox One. I mean, it's just dual. It's not. I mean, it's just um, it's just uh, Bluetooth. You know, it shouldn't matter. I mean, you can use a PS5 controller on a PC, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that but it weird. it's just petty. It's petty. It's petty. You know, it's just petty. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, how this year moves, especially when we get close to the holidays. Because one thing that also happened, and this is very interesting considering the price increase also affected Australia, they also released a model of the PS5 that is like a pound and a half lighter than the than the launch versions in every in every model. I'm willing to bet you they improved the um, uh, the cooling system. Maybe I don't know the the PS5 well here the way they cool on the PS uh, PS5 and the way they cool on the Xbox Series X are two di- very different things and uh, Microsoft went with a, a cooling system that you'd most likely see in a PC and they basically said you know we're going with a form over func- a function over form while the PS5 is definitely form over function they wanted to look cool and futuristic. They failed at both. It's a it's a hulking monster. Don't get me wrong; it runs like super quiet, and I'm happy for that. But yeah. that thing is a is a bulking giant mass of plastic that like it, the original weighs ten pounds. The original PS5 with a disc drive weighs ten pounds. So the new model reduced that down to about eight point six pounds. Well, here's the question: is it is it smaller though, or is it just it's not, lighter? It's a okay. it's the same form. It's just lighter. 
then it's definitely they definitely um, improved the, uh, uh, the ventilation. They changed the ventilation, and they probably they probably got better chips in there too. I mean, I would assume that it has something to do with the plastics used. It's possible. Uh, Let me ask you a question: um, Are you starting to get yellowing on your on your console yet on the PS5 yet? Because that's not, the one of the. Oh, go ahead. Not that I've seen. My uh. And I, I play mine pretty frequently, too. Like, I, well, I put I, that thing to, through its paces. Every time I've had a white console like the Xbox 360, you always had that starting to yellow a bit because it gets old, you know? Yeah. The only thing that I've noticed is that occasionally when it's playing, and I think sometimes on startup, I feel like I hear a click in the plastic that I don't know what it is. I hope it ends up. <laughs> Being you hope forever. It, you hope it's not a piece of plastic that's just in there uh, getting in the fan. <laughs> yeah, that would be a shame. Well, here's the thing, uh, uh, TJ. You could be happy that you got your PS5 before it became more expensive, and Scott, you could be happy that you don't. You, the reason to buy a PS5 has just gone down for you again. Yeah, I don't think I'll be getting a PS5. I have a PS2, PS3, PS4, and a Switch, and no room for a PS5. I just, wow. you know. It's funny, because if you had gotten the PS5, you could have just uh, taken out the PS4, because basically it runs everything that, that the PS4 can. But, um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Um, they're going to still continue to make Xbox, uh, Xbox One and PS4 compatible games because they're still hard to get. You know, although they, you can get the one thing you can get in stores is an Xbox Series S. But um, I wanted something that had a drive in it. So. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm still not over the form of the PS5. It's just this big, ginormous, warped, weird router wi-fi thing and <laughs> it does look like a router <laughs> I, i've seen people display it and it looks so precarious on some places and well i just i'm gonna just focus on the switch and the uh, steam uh for my gaming tj is yours horizontal or vertical i keep it uh i keep it horizontal okay i don't know where the hell i would put it if i kept it vertical i'd have to keep it on the floor or something i guess <laughs> That thing is just too big. You know, I used uh, to. I can't. I can't believe it's actually it's it's upside down to, when you have it horizontal. It's so weird. It's like, yeah, the disc drive is on the bottom instead of, uh, and it's like you have you have to put this weird little stand on it that is really flimsy and cheaply made. I might add. It's funny because um, I started off having my Xbox Series X, you know, on its side because I usually like to have it um, uh, horizontal. Uh, but the thing is, that's I just I, and now keeping it vertical simply because that's where the exhaust is. It just goes up. <laughs> and when I had it on its side, it was blasting hot air to the right. It's like, no, I can't keep anything there. It's it's going to get cooked if I keep it if I keep it uh, horizontal. Yeah, I uh, I definitely. Like, occasionally when I go in to, like, mess with wiring, and because I, I have to capture sometimes, and so I have to mess with HDMI cables, the heat in the area where the where the PS5... The PS5's shelf in my media center is, like, 
maybe 10 degrees warmer than every other part of the media center. Well, that's what you get for not putting it vertically, you bad boy. I know. <laughs> but then again, I am pretty sure you didn't want, um, like, the monolith there. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. SNK versus Capcom 3 is something both parties are interested in. From Check News. One of the more interesting things to see at EVO was a special collaborative event between Capcom and SNK. At each booth was a special bit of art signed by Capcom and SNK leads, which included characters from both companies. It stirred enthusiasm for the return of SNK versus Capcom, which was well noticed by both groups. In fact, SNK lead producer Yaoyuki Oda recently shared that there is a lot of interest on both sides in starting up development on an SNK versus Capcom 3. The companies just need to come together and greenlight the project. Oda shared optimism for the possibility of SNK versus Capcom 3 in a recent conversation with Video Games Chronicle. After positive fan response to, SNK, to the SNK Capcom art collaboration at, at EVO 2022, Oda expressed belief that, that developers of both Capcom and SNK have shared interest in making another game. Oda would go on to say that while interest is high on the part, both the part of the developers and fans in SNK versus Capcom 3, the two actually haven't talked business on another collaborative game just yet. Nonetheless, he remains optimistic about the possibility. Yaoyuki Oda is, part, is, a part, is in a particularly interesting position when it comes to the SNK versus Capcom 3 conversation. He worked on with SNK for years before heading over to Capcom to aid in the development on Street Fighter 4 and, and Street Fighter X Tekken. He then came back to SNK to be a lead producer on Samurai Showdown in 2019 and this year's King of Fighters uh, 15. I would be so happy if this was announced. Like, it's still not going to happen, I think, for a very, very, very long time, because Capcom currently has Street Fighter VI to finish, and SNK not only has a DLC for King of Fighters XV to work on, but they also just announced that they're working on a new Fatal Fury. I don't so, know. You, you have developers that that can work on uh, different games. I look at how many games Obsidian is working on. Yeah, but like... Street Fighter VI and Fatal Fury, uh, New Fatal Fury are like the crown jewel priority games for both companies. They need to do the, they need to do those right. So I don't know. Like if they if they were here's the thing. If, if you see true, if you see, I would be worried about the quality of an SNK versus Capcom three. Well, here's the thing. If you see them releasing SNK versus Capcom and SNK versus Capcom two remastered then you know that they're gearing up for an SNK versus Capcom 3. And here's the thing. You, just because you say you're going to work on something doesn't mean that you're going to start programming right away because there's a lot of preparation you need to make before you make a new uh, fighting game. Also, um, they would have to time it so that uh, SNK versus Capcom 3 doesn't eat into Street Fighter 6 or Fatal Fury or gets overshadowed by them. So if you're going to see it, I would say it's going to be like a year, year and a half after those two are released. But it doesn't mean that they don't have to start working on it now. Yeah, it would be quite an event. I I feel like that's something that happens either at a uh, at a game awards event or maybe at an Evo or not Evo E3. Something. Well, this year at Evo, they were testing the waters to see if if fans wanted it. 
you know? That's Yeah, like, I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that uh, they knew exactly what they were doing when they put the art out that they did. Yeah, because they're engaging they interest. Really, yeah. And it was cool. It was cool to see those uh, that collaboration. It really was. I uh, If they were to do, like, a re-release, even if they did a re-release of Capcom versus or SNK versus Capcom 2 with rollback netcode and online play that would be phenomenal and I think a lot of people would be thrilled to see it but I am crossing my fingers and hoping that someday someday we get to see that re- that reveal cuz that's going to like I might just have a heart attack when that one happens <laughs> unless until the next time Arc Systems Works announces something yeah, true that. Anyways, uh, we're going to go into the Gamescom recap. And uh, there's a bunch of stuff that was revealed at Gamescom. Um, Scott, why don't you lead off first with something okay. that you want to talk about? With the Everywhere? That was the first oh, one. Oh, dear. Think... No, you don't have to do the first one. You can you can do any of them. Okay, then I think I'd like to talk about the Moonbreaker one, which oh. is uh, a, uh, it's a figure battle game. But you can customize your figures, and it's also uh, brought to you by a uh, written, I think, by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, so you know, yeah, I think he's part of it, a big part of it. And it looked really fascinating to me at, at the customizing your figures. You can paint them and do all sorts of crazy stuff with them. Yeah, it looked and, really cool. And here's the thing about that: they made it look. Um, it's not cartoonish at all. It's like actual figures that you're putting on a board. You know? Yeah. It's like um, a virtual board game. Yeah, it's Unknown Worlds that's that's releasing it, and it's actually coming out soon. It's coming out on the 29th. Unless yeah. you don't know, that's the group that made Subnautica, which, like, this is a vastly different game for them. Well, I'm happy for them. Here's the thing. Developers get bored if they keep on making the same game over and over and over again, really. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, the, the graphics are so lush. It's, like, so such plasticky toys to pick up and, and move around. Yeah, it was very neat. I, uh, like, I don't know what I expected when I said, when I saw from the creators of Subnautica, but it was definitely not Moonbreaker. That no. said, it is a very neat and interesting style. I, I'm, like, I guess, you, you, they made two, they already made two Subnautica games. You know, I just do the same thing all the freaking time. But uh, this was completely different from what I expected. Yeah, now Quantic Dream is doing Under the Waves. So if you want your underwater fed, if you want your underwater thing, uh, you know, fulfilled, you'll have to you have to play that game. Although it's not a uh, it's not a crafting game. It's a it's an underwater natter- narrative game. Let's we'll talk about that. Let's talk about Under the Waves. There's yeah. a, a Buzu as well that's underwater. Okay. There's a few. Under the Waves looks... Okay, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Under the Waves looks evocative. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they come up with. Oh, that's okay. I, when I saw it, I the first thing in my mind that went into my head was The Abyss. Yeah. Um, Quantic Dream games, they just don't hit me in any way other than the Aww. other than just like <laughs> hey, it's sort of like me and Supermassive they came out with yet another one of their uh, of their um, 
of their uh, dark, dark, whatever their their narrative games. It's like okay, another one. David Cage is so up his own ass, and like the amount of pretentiousness that he puts off just makes me not want to care about anything he does. Yeah, uh, here's the thing though. Um, this one doesn't. I don't know. Maybe he'll 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 screw it up, right? But. This one doesn't seem like it's going to be up its ass. It doesn't seem like a, you know, I mean, it, there's always a chance it'll be, but I don't know. It's a subject matter that doesn't that doesn't seem like it's, uh, I don't know. I. What did you think of the Devil in Me, uh, which is Supermassive's next game? Devil in Me looks like the funnest one out of uh, the Dark Pictures. Uh, anthology. That's right, the yeah. Dark Pictures. I was I was searching for that that anthology name. Uh, so the Devil in Me is <laughs> the premise of this one is that there's this TV production company that that has this documentary series on serial killers, and one that they're trying to get is the the supposed first American serial killer ever, H. H. Holmes. Who, uh, yeah, I, that, that. So here's the thing. I um, have the documentary, uh, one of the documentaries about AJ Holmes. It's a really, I, I would say it's amateurish, but it's really, you know, it's one of the earliest ones. And it was, you know, I've always found AJ Holmes or Henry Mudgett, his real mm-hmm. name, to be fascinating. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna have him go through. They're, I, you know, they're going through the dark, the castle. Yeah. Well. The premise of it is that H.H. H. Holmes had this hotel that he built that was, yep. dubbed, it was a death the trap. murder, the murder castle. Yeah, it was a death it trap. Was, uh, it was supposedly filled with traps, fake walls, uh, torture chambers, incineration, uh, gas yeah. chambers. Well, well no, not gas chambers. Stuff. Actually, um, what he would do is that uh, he had a vault there, and the people would go in the vault, and um, he would remove all the air, and they would it would uh, asphyxiate. Yeah. And then he had all these plays where he can just dump bodies, where he could just make skeletons. And he would sell the skeletons to medical school. Um, the thing about that is the murder castle was burned down. Right. And so the premise of this game is that a wealthy benefactor has a supposedly inherited home that is a recreation of H.H. H. Holmes's murder castle. And uh, the murder castle, by the way, is a hotel. It's a three-story hotel that was like – he he was a con man and a swindler, and that's where he carried out his well, crimes. Well, he took advantage of uh, of the World's Fair that was in Chicago at the time, to, mm-hmm. and he would always be very careful about who he picked. He picked women who were just divorced, uh, who were rich. Yeah, and um, you know, it's just you have so to watch. A, you have to watch. So it. he was mostly a con man and a swindler, and then also when people found out his stuff, he'd just kill them. Serial killer. Uh, yep. So this game follows like a lot of the mystique behind him. It, the house, the 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 hotel that these people explore is meant to be a recreation of the murder castle. And along the way, they just like there there are some very interesting new mechanics in this one. Yeah, they actually have an inventory system. It's actually like an adventure game. Everybody starts out with their own personal item too, and they can trade the items between each other which may come in handy or the items may break and become unusable. It's yeah, I, a, I think this is the funnest premise that they've come up with for uh, the dark picture. Wait, even more than the quarry. Well, that's actually yeah. not it. Well, the quarry is not a dark pictures game. Actually, it's more actually, like I think um, the quarry is great, but I think I'm just saying, well, Hey, the quarry is just, uh, uh, 
is like a sequel to their first game. Yeah, it's Until a proper, Dawn. it feels like a proper sequel to Until Dawn, whereas the Dark Pictures anthologies are kind of bite-sized versions of their own thing. But you know what? You know what the best thing about The Devil in Me is? What's that? It's not going to be always in your head all the time story. No, they're straight up a dude that's stalking them and killing them. Because that's the irritating thing. It was all a dream. It was all in your head. It was a, it was a poison gas that was making you have hallucinations. Fuck that noise. Just have actual villains. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I did, uh, not know, I did not know that Supermassive did the Little Nightmares games either. Oh, yeah. So this one's looking great. Like, this is my... I'm definitely going to play this one. I don't know if I'm, it'll compel me to go back and check out the others, but I will definitely play The Devil in Me. I mean, say what you want about Supermassive. Um, at least their games are scary. Mm-hmm. They're legitimately scary. Unlike other games that pretend to be... No, they actually are scary. Yeah, I agree. Scott. <laughs> yeah, there was I, a... Oh, go ahead. There was another trailer for Ayudan. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, Scott, why don't you talk about Ayudan Chronicle 100 Heroes? Yeah, (laughs) they released another trailer where they showed us uh, some more combat, party combat, and you got to see some of the characters from Rising running around in the new game. And you, they show it what it looks to be them arriving in the Barrows. Uh, where I guess the, the, the rune borrows and then showed various clips of the characters uh, walking around and also fighting and uh, they didn't show story bits but like there was just like silent little uh, scenes and uh, it looked pretty interesting you know nice graphics and just really excited for this game uh, and you get to see little spots maybe like uh, they showed a map in one scene with the uh, sign and uh, hildy um and then at the end of it they they show uh nawa and sign uh fighting and you know i, I don't know uh, how their relationship is going to go but i know that supposedly they're friends for a little while and then the conflict over the runes break you know tears them apart and they have to uh side with their various political factions and then War breaks out, so that'll be interesting to see how that develops in the game. Yeah, like I said, I played uh, Eden Chronicles Rising, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this one, too. Like I yeah. said, from what I understand, Rising is basically like... A prologue. Prologue to the game, and it's like giving you an idea of what the uh, main game's going to be like. So it's inter- And you also have access to more characters that you can play as, which is nice. So... Yeah, uh, I think all the portrait characters will show up in uh, Iudian Hundred Heroes, so I'm looking forward to that as well and seeing uh, which ones are co- combat combatants and which ones are just going to be store owners or whatever function that they'll perform. And there's a lot of mini games that are going to be in Hundred Heroes. Yeah. Uh, so you got the, go ahead. You got the you got the theater. There's uh, egg leg res- racing. There's card game, there's Beyblades, there's, uh, oh yeah, there's cooking, so there might be a cooking contest, and fishing, of course. You have to have fishing, you can't have a JRPG without fishing. Yeah, uh, by the way, uh, you can th- everybody can thank Scott for actually getting me to really like a JRPG unironically. Awesome. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the big news that was at 
Well, I, I think we talked about it last week uh, a little bit. We're going to talk about it now more in detail. Let's talk about Dead Island 2, the game that has been in production since 2014 and is finally coming out on February 3rd, 2023. And they actually showed actual gameplay. What did you think of the gameplay, TJ? I was happy to see it because originally they just showed the cinematic trailer. and I was like, oh, man, this game is going to be delayed once we get to February next year. And then they actually showed the gameplay, and it didn't look half bad either. Um, they're really going all in on the squishy, explodey <laughs> uh, gutsness of this game, which I feel has always been kind of more. I don't. I won't say that Dying Light is more grounded in reality, but I will say that Dead Island is more comical in its uh, portrayal of combat with zombies. It's not dead it's not dead rising levels of uh, of ridiculous but it's still pretty it's still pretty ridiculous like and i think that they captured that vibe pretty dang good from what i saw of the gameplay yeah and just so you know uh the game was handed off to a lot of people like techland and jaeger and now it's in sumo digital's hands and if you want to know anything about sumo digital they uh code they helped out with hitman 1 2 3 and Horizon, Forza Horizon 4 and 5 recently. And speaking of Squishy, they have another game coming out next year, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... Uh, By the way, they also bought the Chinese room, which is interesting. But yeah, um, it looks good. It's finally coming out. And um, you can say a lot of things about Dead Island. Um, it got mixed reviews. People sort of liked it. Some people didn't like it. A lot of people liked the story. Other people just thought it was, you know. And the problem is that the way the game, the game balance was way out of whack in Dead Island. And that basically just get, just get the guy who's very good at melee combat because the entire game is about stamina, and when you have the stamina buffs, guess what? You're gonna you're gonna have an easier time. Here, there's only one person you're playing. That's it. Not a choice of four people. Just one guy. So um, let's. Oh God. Um, let's talk about everywhere, and the trailer. And made my blood freeze because I knew it was so crazy. I couldn't figure out what the game was. It's here's the thing. People made the assumption that this is going to be an NFT game. And the developer said, well, we're considering it. Yeah, it's going to be an NFT game because what they're it's an indie developer. They're trying something incredibly um, uh, ambitious, you know, basically, basically a world in which you just go with friends and, you know, complete do all this stuff, it's going to be an NFT game. It's it's definitely going to be an NFT game with blockchain. Which game is going like to be an NFT game? Everywhere. Oh. That might explain why it seemed so chaotic and all over the damn place. Yeah, there's four different regions, and you can you can walk around and do anything. I, I saw people racing, then it looked like an adventure. This is exactly why I don't like NFTs. It, it just... It's too chaotic and, you know, makes no sense. I mean, it's like I don't want 
Like if I if I if I you know like I played the House of Da Vinci to have a nice relaxing puzzle game. I don't need some FPS shooting guys coming around shooting the place up while I'm trying to do a puzzle. You know, yeah. like that's that's not my game wanting experience. And then your game crashes because the blockchains were corrupted and there's nothing you can yeah. do about it. You have to reinstall the entire game again. Like I said, uh, that game makes my blood freeze. It's like no. No. So, TJ, tell tell me what you think of the DualSense Edge wireless controller because it's basically going to be Sony's answer to the uh, Xbox controller Elite. It looks busy. <laughs> like, I I feel that same way, kind of about the. I know I know that you can like remove buttons and and move. You can remove the sticks and uh, with the uh, with the DualSense Edge. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I hope it's more durable than the regular Dual Sense because the regular Dual Senses are kind of cheap and. Yeah, you were complaining about that last week, TJ. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I have. I'm not one to go around breaking my controllers, but I have held them a little tightly when, uh, <laughs> when uh, I'm losing around. And the DualSense is like, I, I don't know, like there's something, it, it bends really easily, first off, and there's a piece on it, like there's this strip of black plastic that runs along the butt, the, the joysticks, and underneath the touchpad, and along the base of the controller, and that thing pops off way too easily. Like the whole thing just feels frail for a $70 controller. Yeah, I. One of here's the thing: the Elite controller feels more solid, but it's no less frail than the regular Xbox controller. So we'll see about the DualSense Edge. Yeah, I hope it's more durable. That's what I want. That's if it's more durable, I might consider it. I don't know if I need all those customizable buttons, uh, but I guess it wouldn't be bad to like have the option. Um, they had a story trailer for New Tales from the Borderlands. And I have to say, I like the characters. There's some, obviously, some non-traditional characters, but they look fun. Is this the first time we've seen a full-on trailer reveal of the of the new game? I mean, yeah, this is a story. Uh, new Tales of the Border. It was a story trailer, you know. Like one of them is a really big, overweight waitress, blonde waitress, and it's just. I, I really enjoyed the first new ta- Tales from the Borderlands. The only thing I, I, I'm worried about is that uh, Telltale's not doing the story. It's going to be Gearbox. Gearbox is iffy about writing, so we'll see. Hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to see like how this turns out because like I've been very curious about what I know. It, I know it's Gearbox leading up, leading it up mostly, but like. I'm curious to see if they can capture that same charm that tales from the, the, the new tales from, or the, the, the old tales from the Borderlands. <laughs> They're not calling yeah. it tales from the Borderlands too. They're calling it new tales from the Borderlands. Yeah, which is kind of weird. It's like New Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> it's a different game, but they just slap new on the front of it. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Lies of P which is basically a Soulsborne, except you're playing as Pinocchio. 
Sort that of, kind of. weird one. <laughs> yeah, that game looked really interesting. I, I, I didn't really think of it as Pinocchio. It reminded me of some other games that I think... But it is um, Pinocchio. I mean, yeah, it is, it is the story of Pinocchio. Movies. They're using the original story, too, which was a lot... It's a lot different than the Disney movie, guys, yeah. if you read the, sto- the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a Soulsborne. They confirmed that. Yeah, it it looks like an int- like the the artistic style of it. Very steampunk. Very steampunk. Yeah, I uh, I I'm willing to give it a go. It looks like it could be interesting. I don't know. That was definitely the weirdest game that I saw during that show. Yeah. Actually, no, that wasn't the weird. No, thing. it was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Come on. It was Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the game. Here's Who the thing. This? Here's the thing. They they nailed the look of the movie exactly. Uh-huh. They nailed that look. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to see in 2022. Like, yeah, it is. Very random. <laughs> it's not very random at all. Hey, look, you know, 80s movies are in. I mean, look at everybody playing Dead for Daylight and... Um, and uh, 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 Friday the 13th, and also, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, but, like, Killer Clouds from Outer Space isn't even... I wouldn't even consider that a B-tier horror. That's the, that movie is so outlandish and so niche. It's it's so strange to see somebody was like, let's make a whole damn game out of this. Hey, this explains why they don't have the, DL, the Killer Clowns DLC for Dead by Daylight. Because <laughs> this would be perfect. And, by the way, it is... Basically, Dead for Daylight. It's an asymmetric uh, one versus many game. So it's even got a weird breakup of of teams, right? So it's gonna be it's gonna be three clowns, yep. three people playing as clowns, versus seven people playing as human survivors. And uh, obviously, the clowns are running around causing chaos, trying to harvest people. Now, uh, for those who don't know the movie, the clowns are not actually clowns. They're aliens with clown weapons and clown looks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the, uh, oh, what was one of the more famous deaths from the movie? Like, they had killer balloon doggies. They <laughs> uh, they pied that guy to death and straight up melted him. Yeah, that was, that's, that's, one of the, uh, that's one of the classic scenes from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So, yeah, uh-huh. sort of like all these clown devices, but they're actually deadly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it's going to be a three versus seven game, yeah. which is just a weird ratio to begin with. And Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, whenever you're playing as the monster in Evolve or as the killer in Dead by Daylight and all that stuff, it's always such a solitary performance, you know? At least now you have two friends that you can um, – and also – People get annoyed because they want to be the monster. They want to be the monster. They're, ah, oh, we're a survivor. Mm-hmm. At least now there's a better chance that someone can be a, a monster. Yeah. Be one of the clowns. Well, the answer is also make both sides compelling to play. Yeah. Um, <coughs> but uh, I, I'm, I want to see. Like, <laughs> it's going to be – this was like the least expected thing. I don't care who you are. You did not have this on your bingo card. Um, speaking of weird and crazy, let's. Did you? What did you think of the villains trailer for Gotham Knights? Oh, I must have missed that one. Yeah, they showed uh, Harley Quinn. 
Um, Mr. Oh, Freeze yeah. and, and uh, um, Batgirl is that? I thought that was for Batgirl. No, I mean Batgirl was there, and also Renee Montoya there, but it's the villains trailer showing off some of the villains. Um, Clayface oh, looked nasty. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people were disappointed with Harley Quinn. It was a different voice actress, and you know she wasn't as shrill, which makes her fun. Mm-hmm. I was really excited to see the Court of Owls. Yeah. I like the, the new mask for the Court of Owls. are looking really nice. Yeah, but uh, Clayface is nice and squishy and melts through things. And, and he has yeah. he's, he's going to be what um, Killer Croc was in in Arkham Asylum, except interesting. I like when they do Clayface, because Clayface has a lot of range. Clayface can either be a giant abomination, or he can be anyone you know at any given time. For a while, he was one of Batman's allies in the comics. Mm-hmm. So definitely not here. But he looked uh, he looked gruesome in this one. I'm uh, I was interested to see that. Mister Freeze is uh, kind of boring to me. Harley's okay. Uh, but yes, I was excited to see the Court of Owls stuff too. Yeah. Um, speaking of Telltale, um, they're doing the Expanse, which for a moment I thought it was a a new IP, and then oh, it's been a TV show for the past six seasons, and it's. This is, was, was its last season. Uh, so it's still surprising to me to see a Telltale game by Telltale. And it yeah. looked all right. The, the story looked all right. And they're promising there's going to be a little bit more agency on, on behalf of the players. Hmm. Yeah, because... I don't know. You can't, say the, you can't say that the old Telltale formula doesn't entirely still work because... Supermassive Games is still doing it. Oh, well, here's the thing. Um, the second season of Batman had two completely branching uh, storylines, so they did break out of it for that, at least. Yeah. But it'll it looks be, good. It'll be interesting to see Telltale get back. Like, who is even there at Telltale anymore? I know most of the originals are gone, right? I don't know. Some may have come back. I mean, it's not it's not entirely Theseus' ship yet. Yeah. But um, it looks interesting, and even though I know nothing about The Expanse, um, I'm willing to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Can, uh, what did you think of the Word Song teaser trailer? That looked really interesting. I'm not usually one for cinematics, but I liked the, just the darkness of it, and it just intrigued me anyhow. Okay. Um, I know it's... Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's going to be a very open world like Bethesda, you know, and they talk about it on the screen. Um, The the teaser was never meant for us, though. Um, According to the developer, uh, the teaser was to entice people to to get uh, to work with them to say, holy shit, this looks really interesting. I would love to work on that. Hmm. It's good. It has a lot of Lord of the Ring influences, which. You know, became obvious after they said it. Oh yeah, this is very Lord of the Rings. So um, go ahead. They have a lot of veteran talent on that too. Like Scott mentioned, uh, they have Bethesda. They have Obsidian talent. They have uh, people who worked on Dragon Age. There's a lot of Dragon Age Inquisition. A lot of veterans coming together for that one. Yeah, and but here's the thing: don't expect to see it anytime until like 2025 or something like that. Yeah, but. It is an interesting concept. Um, 
I don't think the world is glutted with uh, Bethesda-style open-world games right now. I mean, it may be glutted with Ubisoft open-world, but it's not glutted with, you know, first-person RPGs in the vein of Fallout slash Elder Scrolls. And it's a completely original IP, which makes it even more interesting. Because here's the thing, the developer says they don't even know what to expect from this. <laughs> they haven't written the story yet. They only have the world that they're building. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, which one is that? Word song. They haven't, they haven't done the story yet. They haven't written the story oh, yeah. yet. It's all concept right now. Yeah. So, Return to Monkey Island... That was interesting. I like the joke they were making with the horse armor. If you pre-order, you get this little icon in your inventory. It does absolutely nothing, but you'll have proof that you pre-ordered this with the horse armor. Of course, that's a reference to Oblivion. Yeah. It does nothing. I know. See, the way TJ's talking, it's not quite like the banana and... um, Was it the banana? The used boat salesman was... uh, Shilling it. What was it uh, for Sea of Thieves? Was it a banana or a, or a, or a pineapple or I'm trying to remember? Hmm. Come on, you love that joke. You went on about it for months. Wait, which one? <laughs> the the joke in Sea of Thieves. I think it was either a banana or a pineapple or something like that. Oh, the way that you just eat the thing, peel and all. <laughs> yeah, the joke from the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Not, uh, see, T, you didn't quite react to it like you did that. <laughs> I uh, I like Ron Gilbert's sense of humor. I think it's I think it's really fun. I think he's really cheeky, and uh, I think this game is going to be a blast when it finally comes out. Yeah. Um, High on Life got a trailer, a new trailer. It's delayed, of course. And here's the thing: it's not doing it for me. It's not doing it for me. Maybe it's because it's because the humor's from Rick and Morty. I don't know. Mm. Justin Roiland. Mm. I think he needs Dan Harmon to rein him in. Okay, not Dan Harmon. (laughs) Well, I think he needs somebody. I think he needs another creative director to rein him in. Because Justin Roiland sure does love telling the same joke for 15 more seconds than he should be telling that joke anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't mind Rick and Morty. I, I, I like the show, but like, it certainly does feel like every Justin Roiland thing is, uh, is, is a similar cadence to most of the jokes in Rick and Morty. I think he's trying to one up Ratchet and Clank to tell you the truth. Mm. It looks it looks like a Ratchet and Clank game, except it's more organic, shall we say? Maybe. I don't know. It, it, but I'm I'm right there with you on that one. It do, it hasn't really grabbed me in a way that made me go, yeah, I gotta play that. Fortunately, it's on, it's going to be on Game Pass, so at least I'll be able to play it without having to spend any additional money. So we'll see. Um. Mm. So. Everybody's excited about Sonic Frontiers. But it, that's always the way it is with a Sonic game. You know, it's like, oh, this looks like the this looks like Sonic is back. 
Um, in all honesty, it looked like crap maybe two months ago, and now it actually looks like they're doing the recent trailer. The the more recent trailers that they've done with Sonic Frontiers have looked much much better than what we saw at like Summer Game Fest. Yeah, and you know it's it's a first for Sonic. They're doing the open world. I think it's open world. There's open zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have had their hands on it, and um, you know they're saying it's a positive step forward. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm like I wasn't all that impressed with uh, when we saw it at Summer Game Fest. Those trailers made it look very bland and boring. But uh, these recent ones that have been coming out, and like a little bit more of the story trailers that have been coming out, they actually make it look fun and competent. Yeah, at least they have the 2D segments as well. So there's always that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how do you think about how do you feel about Dune Awakening? I was surprised to see another Dune game coming so soon because uh, I've been enjoying Spice Wars from uh, Shiro Wars a lot. That game is in early access right now, and this is from Funcom as well, who is publishing all yeah. the Dune stuff. That's the only thing that gives me pause is that it's Funcom. But you know what? An open world survival MMO set on Arrakis. That that sort of is something that I'd like to see done well. Done well, you know. Let's, let's, if it's done you, well, uh, it'll be fantastic. Are you not a fan of uh, Conan Exiles? No. No. Um, well, I was a little bit a fan of Secret World, but it just died quick. Funcom is good at making mediocre. That's the problem with Funcom. They make mediocre. I want to see something that excels from them. Mm. And uh, Fallout seventy six meets Dune. Could be really good. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see how this one, like, I want to see the gameplay on it. We got it. We got a, that was a mostly uh, cinematic trailer that we got during uh, Gamescom. But uh, I'm also having a lot of fun with uh, Spice Wars, so I'm not in any hurry to see this. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the Callisto pro- Protocol? That game is... So damn good looking, and it blows my mind that it's from the group that, that Glenn Schofield who did Dead Space. Yeah, yeah, it blows my mind that it's not only Glenn Schofield, but it also blows my mind that it's being published by the PUBG people. Like it makes no sense, <laughs> but it's looking so good. It's looking like everything. They might as well call it Dead Space Four, except they don't have the license. Yeah, it it is exactly that. That is exactly what I was going to say. Is like. They are doing everything that a new Dead Space game should do. Except this time it's in a prison colony instead of a, instead of a mining place. The monsters look terrifying. The environmental hazards are grisly. Um, and yeah, the gunplay looks good too. Like Everything about it looks competent and great. This game, I, I didn't expect it to come out this year, but like it looks brushed up and polished as hell. So, what did, you, did you have any opinion on Friends versus Friends? Because it's an interesting concept. It's a looter shooter, except it uses a card game mechanic, a collectible card game mechanic in it. It's PvP. Um, it's it's but, one on one versus one, two versus two, but oh, okay. But it, 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 you level up your character, you get cards, and it's sort of like the cards are in front of you, so it's sort of like playing Magic or, or another collectible card game. And the graphics are very – it's very 
3D cell shaded, like everything that 13 wanted to be, but it isn't. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> it's going under the radar right now. Uh, hopefully it won't stay under the radar too long. Um, do we want to spend any time talking about Goat Simulator 3? Or? I already said, well, actually I was talking about it before I got cut off uh, earlier when I was talking about Dead, Sp- Dead Island yeah. 2. Well, yeah, they, the Goat Simulator 3 did that joke. It was very funny to see the Goat Simulator. It was very funny to see Dead Island 2 get a proper release date on the same showcase that uh, Goat Simulator 3 showed up and uh, did that <laughs> did that trailer just a couple weeks ago. I'm in for Goat Simulator 3. That game looks like a blast. Yeah. What's shocking to me is it's not um, it's not Game Pass Day 1. See, the first... Go- oh, by the way, um, I think we mentioned this last week. Uh, there's a Ghost Simulator 1, and there's a Ghost Simulator 3, but there's no Ghost Simulator 2. Because <laughs> hmm. they just said, fuck it, there's no Ghost Simulator 2. <laughs> we just went from 1 to 3 immediately. Sort of like when Xbox went from Xbox to Xbox 360, because they didn't want to be an Xbox 2 while there was a PlayStation 3 out. Um, but yeah, um, they upped the graphics... And it looks like you get to do more than just one kind of you don't have, you could be an animal other than a goat. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great. Um, we also we're talking about game, game Pass, right? So there's a crap ton of big games that are coming day one on Game Pass, um, like Liza P. You suck at parking. Uh, Beacon Pines, High in Life, uh, Slime Rancher 2, Mad Streets, and Grid Legends. Um, what do you think of um, of Minecraft Legends, anyway? I think they showed some more of it. Yeah, I think they did. They, they showed some more of the enemies and some more of uh, the action going on, so you get to see more, more of the mechanics that you have to use in this game. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering about the level of multiplayer that's going to be in it. Um, If it's going to be mass multiplayer or just friends, you know, it looks like fun. It looks like what I wanted uh, the other Minecraft Diablo like to be. Oh, geez, I forgot the name of it. Hmm. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons. This looks like what I would want Minecraft Dungeons to be. Because people said, you know what, you made a Minecraft game without building. A Minecraft yeah. game without building anything is, you know, even Telltale had to have Strange. had to have some building mechanic, even if it was, you know, it wasn't open. But here you can build anything, so it'll be interesting, especially with the death of uh, the original Fortnite. Uh, what did they call it again? The co-op uh, Fortnite. They changed the name of it. Uh, Fortnite Save the World. Yeah. So hopefully this will. People who are really into Fortnite Save the World will have something like this in it. But yeah, um, Hard Space Shipbreaker is finally coming to Xbox. I already got all the achievements on the PC version, but I'm going to say this right now. You know, Hard Space Shipbreaker is a really good game if you're into that kind of game. Which could be anything, really. So. Um, what? <laughs> uh, so, did you see Where Wins Meet? Where wins me? I need to refresh myself on that one. Uh-oh. Oh, come on. 
It's um, uh, it's it's Ghost of Tsushima, except it's in medieval China. Come on. Oh my gosh, that game looked gorgeous in still shots, oh, but it looked was that again? choppy as hell when it was in motion. It actually looked pretty good. I don't uh, know. I, the, like, I think one of my actual responses when I was watching that trailer with my colleagues was, "Holy frame rate, Batman!" <laughs> I'm <laughs> keep in mind. Uh, like they say, the graphics here do not reflect. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they said this game is supposed to come out. When did they say this game is? Late 2022. It's coming out this year, and it's that choppy in a trailer. Like I don't know. <laughs> but in frame rate aside, it it's looks very great. pretty. Like. Yeah. It, it really it, it was pretty when it wasn't moving trying to move like break, at breakneck speed. Um, but I don't know. I think I need a. I think I needed them to tone it down a little bit and smooth things out before I can get in on that one. Oh come on! It's a Soulsborne. You're gonna try it out? Maybe. Lords of the Fallen looks like a Soulsborne. Well, Lords of the Fallen is a remake. Oh okay. It's a remaster. Uh, it's when did it come out? Like 10 years ago, TJ? Uh, when did it come out? Actually, I think it's even more recent than that. Uh, the original came out in 2014. So, yeah. Um, when I think this was like like two years after or one year after Dead uh, uh, Dark Souls. And they were trying to uh, capitalize on it. Yes. It was a Deck 13 game. Oh, yeah. The guys who were always trying to make their own. Dark Souls game. Uh, didn't they also? I think they did the Surge as well. If they I remember did correctly. do both Surge games. Right. Which was a good idea. I mean, if you're going to do a Soulsborne, uh, you know, just the sci- science fiction one isn't a bad idea. So um, they showed it. Uh, I don't know if it was a teaser or a trailer or it was, it was a teaser trailer uh, for Scars Above, which looks interesting. Um, sci-fi third-person action adventure shooter. I think they're going for a cross between something like uh, Tomb Raider and um, uh, what was the name of the game? Uh, that was done by, uh, oh, darn. The one with the shooting robots by the people, who, uh, by Platinum. It begins with a V. Uh, shooting robots by Platinum. Vanquish, Vanquish. It was Vanquish. Was it Vanquish? Yeah, it was Vanquish. It looks like a cross between uh, Tomb Raider and Vanquish. Mm. It ha- it has some great lighting, and I mean, here's the thing. You know, a lot of things are coming out with the Unreal Five engine. It's like you're no longer going to be able to say, "Oh, the graphics are really nice." Uh, the, uh, no, now it's about all about art direction. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't have much to add on that one. I think one of my favorite things that I saw from the entire uh, showcase was probably Park Beyond. Oh I yeah, I haven't actually seen that game before this uh, this event, and uh, that trailer was everything I needed to see. Like, <laughs> it looked gorgeous. It looked like. Okay, so hold up. It's the Tropico devs. It's the Tropico devs. Yeah, they're doing a, a, a amusement park, park game. management sim. Yeah. Which I'm already. Unfortunately, it's been I, delayed I, to 2023. 
I love the I love the later Tropico games. I loved Tropico Six, and I kind of like them. Sometimes the, uh, the decisions you make to me are like very, um, um, you know, opaque. Uh, it's like I don't quite have. There's a little bit too little control. You know. I hope that I can run my carnival or my theme park <laughs> like El Presidente. Which means, like, if people are are ragging on my rides or leaving bad reviews, I'm going to put them on the coaster that just flies <laughs> off at the end and and like shoots them 50 feet into the yeah. That was the thing about this crater is, on the edge. That's the other thing. This is not going to be a game that's uh, realistic in terms of because you have the cars jumping off the gaps in the uh, in the roller coaster, you know, just flying through the air. That's you the know sort of impossible dry, impossible rides. The building and thematics, though, looked hilariously fun. I really, really liked the look of the building in that game. It looks like you're going to be able to make some really wacky stuff. And, like, they already confirmed that you're going to be able to share your the rides that you create with other people. That's really com- – they're, they're taking all of the right lessons from uh, Planet Coaster. Yep. Uh, so, um, I, I'll, we'll stop with it. Well, we're not going to – Let's stop with uh, Fat Shark's latest, uh, Warhammer 40,000 Dark Tide. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have another one. And it looks like um, they're taking what they learned from Vermintide. And this one's actually going to have um, a procedural generation on the levels, at least. So that they're sort of random. Yeah. I, uh, I've i been extremely excited about this game ever since they first announced it. I like the Warhammer Vermintide games a lot. And uh, so taking that and apply it to a sci-fi shooter that seems like a perfect fit. And I'm I've been really the happy characters are more are more interesting too. Just just gonna say that right now. I mean everybody yeah. loves that huge guy. <laughs> yeah yeah. Fat Shark has been has done a good job of of expanding and and developing and growing their style since the first Vermintide game. And I really think that they've nailed down like tone and feel really well when it comes to like the vibe that their games put off. Yeah. Like I said, you know, the only thing I hope they don't go overboard on the uh, microtransactions like they did with Vermintide 2. It it started to interfere with, with the rest of the game basically. So we'll see. Anyways, uh, look for our show notes. Um, So we have a problem this week. Uh, GamingPodcast.net is down right now, so you really can't talk to us there, but you can leave comments at our Facebook page. Just go to Gaming Podcast on Facebook, and you can leave the comments there for now. I don't know what's going on with the site. We'll find out. But uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes and leave some iTunes comments, especially if you're doing this from the Podbean page, which is still up. If you go to GameStooge.Podbean.net. No, .com. Anyways, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. Find me at Charter Moore. And we will have more news for you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. <laughs>